Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for a weekend video for the week ending December 17, 2021. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We're going to take a look around the horn at a lot of stuff. It's the end of the week. We're leading into the holiday season. It's the end of the year. The market is teetering. Volatility has increased. We are seeing the prescribed big swings in both directions. What do we have on the daily chart? We have a 50-period moving average that was a rescue for the market on Friday. So they spiked the 50-period moving average. What's that 458.15 line running across the screen? We'll get to that in a few moments. The main question that we have is, and this goes back to something we discussed, I believe, on Thursday night, which is, is the 50-period moving average support for the market? Could we expect, or should we expect, a big reaction back up in the other direction from a touch of the 50-period moving average? And the answer is, no, that's not the expectation. And the reason is, A, you came into it right here, so it wasn't that long ago. Now you just rallied away from it, and you came right back into it after hovering here and trading away again. The 50-period moving average is nothing other than a guideline. And the same thing really goes for the 100-period moving average. While you'll have some support down in this area for 50, these most recent pivot lows, the 100-period moving average, there's stuff going on around 450 still. However, you've already come close to the 100-period moving average. Next time down, it's not the same as it would have been before. What are we supposed to think in terms of a potential Santa Claus or Christmas rally? Let's talk about that for a moment because I hear a lot of commentary around the Christmas rally, Santa rally. I don't think most people have an understanding of what that really is. Not that it's a thing you can hang your hat on, but it's one of those things from a seasonality perspective. We kind of expect the market to float higher. But let's dig in a little bit deeper. You'll hear people on TV, in the media, around Tout TV, discuss a Christmas rally, a December rally, a holiday season rally, all kinds of stuff. Let's get something straight. Whenever you hear Santa rally, this is what it is, and you can look it up for yourself. Go to the University of Google and type in Santa Claus Rally, when is it? And here's the answer. It's the last five days of December into the first two trading days of January. That's the Santa Claus Rally. Doesn't matter why, doesn't matter who made it up, doesn't matter what the statistics are. The only point I'm trying to get across is understand what you're listening to, where the source is, and whether or not they're right or wrong the majority of the time. Case in point, we're going to take a sidebar. As you know, from time to time, I'm going to watch Tout TV for material. Just so happens on Friday morning, I'm watching Tout TV for material, and they have one of the Fed governors on. I'm not sure where he's a Fed governor. I'm not sure of the details. I believe his last name was Williams, and this is what he said. Quote, unquote, rising rates are positive for the economy. Now, maybe he said can be positive, but he certainly linked that together, and here's my point. Nobody ever takes the time to explain a profound comment like that, because here's the situation. Let's say, and this is happening at present, the Fed is essentially withdrawing liquidity from the market. What does that mean? They're taking money back. 
They've been flooding money into the economy, into the markets. Stocks have been going higher. Real estate's been going higher. All kinds of asset prices have been going higher. The Fed has been priming the pump. Now, they're going to do the opposite. They are in the process of doing the opposite, withdrawing liquidity. So let's just say, from a logical standpoint, that it's going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of the opposite effect of when they prime the pump or pumped in liquidity to the market. Fair enough, but let's dig deeper. Let's look at some other things that happen. So if we're going to see rising rates, which is essentially the result of withdrawing liquidity from the market, rates are going to go up. If rates go up, it costs us more to borrow stuff, whether it's stuff, real estate, it doesn't matter. The cost of money goes up. The cost of money goes up for individuals like you and I. The cost of money goes up for businesses. So all across the board, your costs go up. Therefore, supply and demand economics, the natural force of supply and demand take over. Just as a general rule, if it costs more to borrow, for example, for a house, most people are going to end up with less house. That ultimately drives down the price rather than up. You can extrapolate more information from that. You can basically just say, if things cost more, less people are going to want them or people are going to want less of them. That's the way economics works. Here's the big point. When people come on TV and they're trying to basically talk up the market, they're trying to change the conversation from, hey, the Fed withdrawing liquidity from the market is bad for the market. So what they're trying to do is counter that argument. They send a guy out to tell you the opposite thing. They assume you're stupid. When you assume we're stupid, we know you're lying to us. It's that simple. Let's get off the soapbox and back to the S&P 500. We're taking a look down at the bottom at the volume, and the volume was increased on the way down. But here's the thing. We have to discount that in part because it was quadruple witching options expiration. A lot of rebalancing going on, a lot of stocks coming into an index, going out of an index, meaning funds have to sell it or buy it. So a lot of that jockeying around takes place. It increases the volume. I'm not discounting the fact that the market was down. Price is the absolute arbiter. Price was down. Volume was up. It's just not exactly the same as if it was not quadruple witching options expiration. That's it. They fill the gap we've been talking about down at 459. We've been calling that unfinished business. What does that mean? In simple terms, it means they're going to come back and finish the unfinished business. They did that. Before we move on and look at some more details around the lows, around what was going on at the lows and why 458.15 was on the board, let's take a look at some other charts to see what kind of information some other time frames are providing. 240 chart. So here's something we talked about a couple of times, at least one time. You had a big breakup candle low, and guess what? 460.74 closed below that. That's a negative sign, the same energy normally. This is what normally happens. The same energy that would be released in the northern direction if this thing was a bullish pattern will now be released in the southern direction. That's the way I look at that. Not to say just based on this one chart, Everything's going to fall to hell in a handbasket on Monday. That's not what we're saying. All I'm saying is that's a big deal when they can't stay above that. The rescue operation didn't work. Same routine on the 120-minute chart. You see here, 
On this candle, they sent the market all the way down, right back up. They got back inside of that spot, yet they couldn't hold it. They gave up the goods into the end of the day. Here's an hourly chart, and we're going to begin to look at something, and then we're going to go over to inside the numbers and check it out further. But here's the point I want to make. This is the gap that I was talking about. The gap is 459.01. That's my number. Call it 459. It doesn't matter. It's plus or minus a few pennies. It's 459. Why am I saying, and this is early in the morning, I'm saying this is where I'm buying the thing if they get down there, 458.15 down to 457 and change. You'll see it in the notes later. Why not the gap? And I'll give you one reason. One reason is when they came down here first and they came up short, and then they rallied away all the way up to a new high. Down here, they came up like a buck and a quarter short of that gap and really had a rip-roaring, rip-your-face-off rally away from it. Coming back down, you have to pick another number. They're not going to stop at the gap the majority of the time. Why is that? Because most traders forget about this. They're still looking at the gap. They're waiting at the gap. And they're going to get a little bit of a quick pie in the face if they buy the gap with a tight stop. And there are plenty of traders that do that. My number, slightly below the gap. Inside the numbers, let's check out the early thoughts. We'll circle back to stocks on the move later. I want you to see the commentary. I want to point out a few things. What are we talking about early in the morning? What's the mindset going in? What are we thinking about when we show up to the ballpark? Wake up a little red and the bulls begin to wonder, who pissed off Mrs. Market this week? And here's the point. We begin to see the shaky ground that exists under the surface of markets that have been pumped up. There's a lot of weak hands in there. There's a lot of momentum stuff going on. There's a lot of vacuum opportunities on the downside. Air pockets, call them what you want. Traders know this. They short the market on the way down. And then what happens? When they cover the short, it creates a snapback in the other direction as long as you have a bunch of short covering around the same place. It pays to know your numbers. And believe me, you don't want to get caught in those on the wrong side. So here's what we're saying. We have air pockets, quick and violent moves that create both opportunity for those treating this as a business and despair for those who think this is an electronic version of Monte Carlo. Let's do the numbers. SPY 463.35 is the pivot in the early going. Now just to get our faculties... Currently, a 15-minute chart right of the vertical is today's activity. Two lines on the screen now. The top one is 463.35. That was our early pivot. Opening below is the more bearish case to start the day. What did they do? They opened below. They didn't open above. We don't need that. Running a test of 463.35 would be normal garden variety behavior. What did they do after finding a low? They ran a test of 463.35. 35. Getting below 461.35 would begin to open doors for the gap at 459 and 458 may be lower. Now the middle line is 461.35. This one's better viewed on a five-minute chart. So again, our faculties are middle line. And guess what? You can see how the market pivoted around 461.35 for quite a while. Another important number, but you can see what happened earlier in the day. Once they got below, they ran that one test, and guess what? They fell off to do what? To run a test of A, fill the gap, and B, 458.15. The low of day was 458.06. 
Why didn't they spike through 458? Why was the number 458.15? We'll get back to that stuff later. And by the way, they've already run a test of the big fat round number of 460 earlier in the week, so it's not the same anymore. In other words, don't expect to be buying 460 for a big bounce. The destination was somewhere else. Let's move along, see what else we have as the day begins to get underway. By 9.12, they started to melt the market away a little bit. We've got a decent little decline in our hands. Expect big swings in both directions. What did we have? We had big swings in both directions. What's the prize? Prevailing wisdom would say the gap down around 4.59. However, from where I sit, the prize is a zone between 4.58.15 and 4.57.50. Sticky note stuff. Think about this. This is before the opening bell. I'm giving you the target. If they get there in a hurry type of format, that would be an area to expect a bounce back in the other direction. What happened? They got there in a hurry formation. Let's scroll up, see what else we have. It was a little bit wild in the pre-market, so I put some numbers up on the board. On days when the market is going to be wild or is wild, sometimes I just put numbers up on the board so you have them because sometimes we just can't Put them up fast enough when they're moving. You need them in advance. And there it is. We don't want the 459.01 to buy. I'm putting it up on the board because it's important. But 458.15, that was the one. Let's keep going a little bit. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double check the work. I'm going to point out a couple of other important things. And then we're going to circle back to stocks on the move. Look at some charts. They were fighting one of the important numbers. 459 and 458 are really the targets. This is 10 minutes into the day. The writing was on the wall. And 949, here it is. And of course, they come up short of 459. This is what we're talking about over here. The low in this candle was 459.31, and they had a pretty decent bounce away from it to run a test of what? Back up to 461.35. But that's the way they suck you in. They come up short, and then the next time down, there are going to be some buyers at 459, and guess what? They blow right on through to where? 458.15. Let's keep going. Find the important stuff. Read it all. Go back to the charts to double check the work. 459, 458, still on the table, give or take. Here we go. 10.07. If they break the lows, they could bounce at 459, give or take. I'm a buyer closer to 458 for a big bounce. That's my plan until something changes like they go the other way. It was a really good day from stocks on the move, not messing with it for a maybe, but more for a should bounce from here price. 458, give or take, is my price unless they stage a rescue operation first. In other words, I'm waiting for 458. Now they start to come down 1014. We're going to narrow it a little bit. Well, they're trying to do the thing. 458.15 down to 457.50 is where I'll be a buyer for a bounce. There's your buy. There's your bounce. Any trader that followed me right into the trade was able to take profit along the way anywhere they wanted, any amount they wanted. Let me scroll up. Let you pause the video, read the rest, go back to the chart, double check the work. I think you got the point. It's not the only thing that was in here. For example, 1034, just some mindset stuff. So we caught the low of the day thus far, rip your face off rally, and a bunch of stocks on the move. Anyone that bought 458.15 is really happy to conclude the week. Don't fork it up. This will conclude the morning session. I'll check back a little bit later. I'm trying to impress upon you, 
You don't have to take every trade you see or every trade you want to invent in your mind. You want to take the best stuff on the board and when you have a day when you get quick profits in 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, and you're sitting on a bundle of profits that you didn't have before the market opened, you have to keep the money in your pocket. We had a healthy list of stocks on the move on Friday. We're going to take a look at the ones that hit their price objectives. The one that didn't, we don't have to worry about it. They hit somebody else's price, not our price. DRI, PFE, GM, and Mara. The last four on the list didn't hit their objectives. They're off the board. How about Darden? So the thing closed at 147.03 the prior day. 138.93 and 35.85 were on the board. It's a zone. They could choose either number. They're both important. So guess what? They did them both. They did the Macarena around the first number. They already spiked up to a high of 142.85 in that candle. Now keep in mind, there's a five-minute chart. They came right back to the second number and right back to the first number, right back to 142.91, almost 143. So essentially, they bounced around and gave you the deal and then some. Stocks are headed to a destination. When they're moving in the pre-market, it's pretty good evidence that they're headed to their destination. They're going to do one of two things when they get there. They're either going to hang out for a cup of coffee or they're going to bounce back in the other direction. Pfizer. Pfizer came up short in the first candle. You see the low here, 59.19. My number was 59.08. They rallied away. They did it when they came back the second time. They rallied away. They provided the base hit, but you're not taking the trade here because of what they did in the first candle. But if any trader did, they still gave you the deal anyway. You can see what happened. It's obvious 59, give or take, was important on Friday. That was Friday's destination. Look what happened at the end of the day. They came back to double check or check in at, run a test at that same number, and then bounced off of it in the last five minutes of the day. That was an important spot. That was Friday's destination. Time and price. Time is more important than price, but if you got the two, you got the deal. About GM, closed on Thursday all the way up at 58.38, opening down, doing what? Heading to a destination. 54.56 was the number. They come into it. What do they do? They turn right back around and go in the other direction. One more double check at that same number, and they bounce up again. That number is obviously important. The numbers work. About MARA, Marathon Digital, this was a nice deal. 32.87 on the board at zero dark 30. They come into the number, they bounce right away, double check one more time, and take a rocket ride. Know your numbers. 32.87, give or take, was Friday's destination. What's going on over in Camp IWM? They were up over 1% when basically everything else was down. The S&P was down, the Dow was down, the NASDAQ was down, but the IWM was up. The IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator. Should we read into this? There's a couple of things going on. A, we have to attribute some of it to options expiration or quad-witching options expiration, rebalancing, that kind of stuff. However, the second thing that we're going to attribute it to is Look where they came to. They came right around to that 210 area. What have we been talking about the last several days? We've been looking at the weekly chart and we've been saying these pivot lows down here is basically our Irene spot. So if they give up this on a weekly close, for example, 
20905, then guess what? Hello, Irene. As far as Friday's concerned, it was a rescue operation. Even the weekly chart is below the convergence of the 50 period and 20 period moving average. That's a negative. That's three weeks in a row below those averages. Now, don't think for a moment that they're not going to try and rally back to two and a quarter into those moving averages, break down candle high, all that stuff. On a weekly chart, doesn't look like much. On a daily chart, it's all the way up into this area. These moving averages, the 100, the 200, slightly above that, that's where it is. It's a pretty good move when you look at the daily chart. Is this where a Santa Claus rally is going to take the IWM if we get one? The only thing we have to watch out for is that Santa isn't in quarantine. doesn't really matter one way or the other. We've been talking about the fact that the market was making a top. The market made a top. It was in the process of making a top. I think it's now pretty clear to everybody the market made a top. Now, how much of a decline we see going forward is a different story altogether, but the top was put in. Obviously, it was put in the IWM a long time ago. About six weeks ago, in the first week of November, that's where the top came in. This is November 8th, second week of November. Comparing and contrasting the SPY, this is the 22nd of November. That was a high. They made another attempt. In fact, they made a new high in the futures market the other day on Thursday. The high here is just slightly below the old high. And guess what? The IWM topped out even before this top in the SPY. That's why I call it, or one of the reasons or evidence that I call it, my favorite market leading indicator. What about the folks down at the transportation department? This is interesting. We've been watching them fight this breakup candle low, and they closed above it, above it, above it. Now they closed below it. So all of a sudden, they're below the moving averages. They gave up the 50. They closed on it a couple of times, slightly below it on Thursday. Now they gave it up on Friday. So unless there's a quick rescue operation back above, that's going to be a negative sign. Guess what? Now the door is open for these lows down here around 15.5, give or take. When you look at the long view and you take a look at a weekly chart, for example, still above all the moving averages. So even if they come down and run some tests of lower numbers, they're still above these moving averages, all four of these moving averages on the longer term chart. So the trend is still your friend on the long-term chart. Remember, things turn on a short-term chart first, and then they morph onto longer-term charts. That's just the way it works. How about the Qs? The Qs are teetering down in this neighborhood, 382.78. Let's give a refresher of what that is. Well, guess what? It's the breakout, right? So the market ran up to here, rejected. When it got back up here, it broke above that former number that was an important number here. It's always an important number because the market told us that by rejecting price at that number. So when they ran up and came back to run a test over here, that was the first test. Here they are again at the second test. Do we trust the second test or just the first test? Just the first test. The second test is what we call in trading terms a crapshoot. We don't want sloppy seconds. In fact, same discussion we had before. That 100-period moving average isn't the same. Even though the 50-period moving average held once, held twice for three days, now they gave it up. Is the 100-period moving average the same, for example, as the 200-period moving average? If they came down quickly into the 200-period moving average, for argument's sake, 
like next week. I'm not saying they will, but just in the hypothetical example, if they did, you're going to get a big bounce in and around or off that 200-period moving average. Come into the 100, they've already been close. It's not the same. It's not even close to the same. In fact, I wouldn't buy it. What would I buy? What's below the 100-period moving average, which would be the next area of support where the market would likely be heading as it cut through the 100-period moving average? And the answer is 376, give or take. Put that on a sticky note. We'll mark it on the chart also. I'm not saying the market's going to have a tremendous bounce away from that. That's going to be a low for three years. All I'm saying is 376 should be support. It's good from at least an intraday perspective, maybe even a couple of days. What about the financials? This is interesting. So they had this bullish thing going on. They popped them up. They came up short of 40 bucks. The high is 39.74. And here they are already giving up the moving averages that they just got above. That's an ominous sign. That's not a positive for the financials. Now, here's what we have to take away from the financials. Now, I don't say this every day, but I say this from time to time. Without the financials in either direction, it's unlikely the market gets very far. If the financials are very strong and the market's bullish, that's fine. They can both go up together indefinitely. However, if the financials are negative, it's unlikely the market gets very far on the upside and vice versa. If the market's falling and the financials are positive, it's unlikely the market gets very far on the downside without the financials participating. They're a big part of the economy, a big part of the S&P, a big part of everything. We have to watch the financials like a hawk, especially since they just gave up these moving averages. Unless they have a quick rescue operation early next week and they continue lower, we have to watch for a break of this 200-period moving average, and you're going to want the next spot. 37.11 is a gap, but if the market's selling hard, they can get all the way down to 36 36.5, 36.25 before finding some kind of a semblance of support. I'd put that one on a sticky note, too. What about Smash Mouth? So they had that reversal on Thursday, and they basically didn't do much on Friday, going back and forth a little bit. Again, they're hovering. Look at them hover over these moving averages. Would you buy the 50-period moving average here, or would you wait for it to spike through after hovering? They came down, they bounced away. They came down, they bounced away. They're coming down. Are they going to find support at the 50-period moving average, or are they going somewhere else? I contend they're going somewhere else. We'll see. If it's a light sell, it's one thing. If it's a hard sell, it's something else. If they stage a rescue operation, they'll be targeting 305. If they get back above 305, they turn the trend from short-term down back to short-term up, then all the trends would be up. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.